Exodus chapter 1, verse 1. Now these are the names of the sons of Israel who came into Egypt with Jacob. Every man came with his household. 2. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. 3. Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin. 4. Dan, Nephtali, Gad, and Asher. 5. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, and Joseph was in Egypt already. In previous chapters, it told you all of the children of each of those 12 tribes, but here it just quickly tells you the 12 tribes came to Egypt, and they were 70 people all together when they first came. 6. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. Joseph died in Egypt, so his mummified body is still there. But the Hebrews know where it is because they know that it's already been prophesied that one day they'll leave Egypt, and when they leave, they need to take Joseph's body with them so that it can be buried in the promised land. 7. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Waxing is getting bigger. They kept reproducing. They were filling Egypt. So Egypt was becoming heavily populated with Hebrews. 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who knew not Joseph. So after Joseph died, after his entire generation died, then a new king comes into Egypt. 9. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. 10. Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass, that where there befalleth us any war, they also join themselves unto our enemies and fight against us and get them up out of the land. He's saying, We have all these foreigners living with us, but they're becoming greater than we are. There's tons and tons of them. If they turn against us, this could be really bad because they're stronger than we are. So we need a plan to prevent that from happening. You see how paranoid this king is. He's already thinking of trouble, and there's no reason for him to think that way. If he treats the Hebrews well, then they'll love him, and they would never want to fight him. But instead of doing that, he decides to treat them really bad to try to prevent them ever coming against him. But that's so backwards in thinking. If he were simply a good pharaoh, he wouldn't have that problem. 11. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for pharaoh store cities, Python and Ramses. This new pharaoh, he basically just said, if you're a Hebrew, now you're a slave instantly. And they set taskmasters, which means bosses that would make the slaves work. 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And they were a dread because of the children of Israel. God keeps blessing the children of Israel and they just keep multiplying. Now Pharaoh even has more Hebrews in Egypt. Now he's really getting paranoid. 13. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, which means they made them do hard labor. 14. And they made their lives bitter with hard service, in mortar and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field, in all their service wherein they made them serve with rigor. So to me it sounds like the Hebrews are the ones who built the pyramids, meaning they did the hard labor of it because they were slaves. And they might have built a lot of other things with brick that maybe don't exist today. 15. And the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of the one was Shiphrah, and the name of the other Pua. So apparently there's only two midwives for all these people, which is kind of interesting, but maybe they're like head midwives. 16. And he said, When ye do the office of the midwife to the Hebrew women, ye shall look upon the birth stool. If it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. In ancient times they gave birth squatting, so that gravity would help them 
to give birth instead of laying on their back for 24 hours where gravity is of no use. He says, look at the stool right away when the baby comes out, and if it's a boy, you need to kill it. So he wants these babies killed immediately, and probably before the mother would know what's going on is what he wants to happen. So it's really close to abortion, which God absolutely hates. God hates it when people kill their babies. He hates it. Moloch and Baal are gods where ancient people used to sacrifice their children to. But now Pharaoh is telling the midwives, you're going to kill these babies whether the mothers want you to or not, which of course the mothers wouldn't. And why would he keep daughters alive? That's because they can be married into the Egyptian population. 17. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. They didn't kill any of the boys. 18. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing and have saved the men children alive? 19. And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwife come unto them. Now this is a lie. The midwives are lying to Pharaoh. They've made a choice not to kill any of the babies, no matter what their gender. But they told Pharaoh that the women are so robust that they have the baby too fast before the midwife can kill the child and take it away from the woman. Basically, the midwives would have to fight the woman. Because wouldn't you fight if somebody was trying to kill your baby? I mean, you, you'd take them down. So that's why Pharaoh told them to kill it when it's on the stool kill it fast, but they're saying these women are so robust that we can't kill it before they know it's alive and they take it, I guess. 21. And God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. 21. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. Now, the Bible says, thou shalt not lie. And these midwives clearly lied. They lied to Pharaoh. But you have to look at the whole context. The reason they lied to Pharaoh was because Pharaoh was telling them to sin. And they feared God and they didn't want to sin against the living God. Now they could have told Pharaoh the truth, but what he would have done if they had told him the truth, that they were deliberately letting the boys live, was he might have replaced them with other women who were willing to kill the boys. So they were smart in not telling him the truth because they made it sound like no matter who's the midwife, the child is going to live. You're not supposed to lie, but these women weren't doing it for themselves. They were doing it to save other people and to prevent disobeying God, but at the same time to prevent from getting replaced by other people who might disobey God. So God honored that and he rewards them for what they did because they saved who knows how many countless lives. God caused the midwives to increase in wealth to the point that they could actually buy houses instead of living in tents or rooming with their other relatives. They had their own house. So they became rich, and that was God's reward to them. 22, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Now Pharaoh tells all the Egyptians to get in on it, and he says, These Hebrew midwives can't seem to kill the baby boys, so now all Egyptians are to kill Hebrew boys, if you find any Hebrew boys, you have to kill them. It's already an exciting story here in chapter 1, just like the book of Genesis was very exciting in chapter 1. You might wonder, why did God bring the Hebrews to Egypt in the first place? We learned that he brought Joseph so that the Hebrews could come during the famine. 
But now the Hebrews have become slaves and they're getting persecuted and they're getting murdered. So why would God be okay with that? And also, couldn't God have just stopped the famine in the first place so that the Hebrews never had to come to Egypt and they could have just stayed in Canaan the whole time? All of Joseph's brothers hated him. They were a very dysfunctional family. There was a lot of ill will in that family. And Jacob didn't like most of his sons. He didn't trust them and he didn't like them. And his sons hated Joseph and Benjamin. So when it was all said and done, by the time they realized that Joseph was second to the king in Egypt, not only could he save their lives from the famine, but he also taught them through all that drama about the money bags he taught them to care about each other and to care about him. And by the time they all came to Egypt, they were a family again. Joseph did have to comfort his brothers one more time after his father died and assure them that he had forgiven them. But they became a family, the family that they never were in Canaan. So that dysfunctional family became united. And now that the Hebrews are in Egypt, God is going to bring them out with signs and wonders that will be a sign to the entire world that he is God. So he's going to use that all of that drama of their slavery and their exodus to show the whole world who he is. And you will see that throughout the Old Testament, it won't be forgotten by all of the surrounding nations. Every time the Hebrews go somewhere, the surrounding nations are going, oh, you're the ones who came out of Egypt. We're terrified of your God. God had a plan all along. After the Hebrews escape Egypt, the whole world is going to be talking about the God that they serve and what he did for them. So I'll just end that here now. We'll do Exodus chapter 2 in the next podcast.